We're back. We are Across back. Across the tracks. Across the tracks. Episode, one more again. Yeah, one more time. Episode four, I do believe. Episode four tonight. Across the tracks podcast. And the topic we're talking about tonight is rite of passage. And we're talking about transitions that took us from boys to men growing up in small town America. Events, places that shaped us growing up in the bottom and across the tracks on Mile Street. But before we uh, get into that topic, I think we want to backtrack to our topic in the last episode. We were talking about sports legends and heroes. We want to mention the 2000 E-Town High boys basketball team coached by uh, my husband's cousin, my cousin's husband, uh, James Hare, who we all know well, uh, has been the coach at E-Town High for quite a while now, but they won the state championship in 2000. And um, I'll turn it over to you to elaborate a bit on what that event meant uh, to you since James grew up on your side of town over there on Mile Street. Uh, What's your take on that? Oh, okay. Thanks. Um, James uh, lived right across the street from me on Hardin Street for for the longest, and he was a year behind us. He graduated in the class of 1976, and uh, James was always a great basketball player. He played football. He didn't play a lot of baseball. I don't think he liked baseball uh, that much, but you know, we all grew up together. I all played together. We played basketball together. And uh, when he uh, became uh, the assistant basketball coach under our, my old coach, Coach Vinsel, uh, it was in the writing that someday he was going to be the head coach. And to my knowledge, I think he's the longest uh, head coach uh, in E-Town High School, boys basketball head coach. And I'm sure he's got the, lo- the most wins as a basketball coach. Uh, he retired from teaching, but he still coaches the basketball team today. And it's it's kind of funny that when they won the uh, state championship in 2000, I was living in Indianapolis now, and the internet was such a new thing. Well, I had watched or listened to every game that they had played. And for some reason, E-Town got the worst draw of everyone. They always played the last game for some reason. That's that's my from my memory. So um, they made it to the final game and the championship game, and they were playing Lexington Catholic. And so I'm watching the, the takes on the ticker tape, and about halftime, I'm like, Man, Etel down by 10. And they had some athletes on the team. They had um, Antoine Barber, yep. uh, Chris Williams. You know, they had some guys that were, you know, Division One athletes. And so they were down by 10. So I turned it off, came back, and they were only down by about two. And next thing you know, they were up by five. So in the end of the day, I think they won by maybe 10 points, 10 points or so. But that was the uh, first uh, boys basketball championship for Elizabethtown High School. And I'd like to make one other thing known is that in Kentucky, it's still a single, uh, it's still a single sport for the championship. You don't have classes. 
And so, you know, Elizabethtown High School, 700 students with all the big schools around in Louisville and Lexington, you know, and Frankfurt and Bowling Green and places like that. E-Town ended up winning the state championship. And so it's it's an awesome thing that someone that you grew up with and was on the state team in 75 because we, we were on the same basketball team and he comes back and wins the state championship. That's that's a great take. And uh, he still still uh, got kids running up and down the court. He's still doing his thing at E-Town High School. And one other one other thing about the uh, state basketball uh, championship in Kentucky, in Indiana, you know, everybody talks about the Sweet 16. You know, in Kentucky, the Sweet 16 is it. You want to make it to the Sweet 16. In Indiana, the Sweet 16 don't have that. It does not have that feel because the state tournament in the state of Indiana, it takes like a month. You know, you have sectional titles and you have regionals and then you have semi-state and they don't play back to back. They play a game or two a week. In Kentucky, the state championship is a tournament. It's four yeah. days. You know, you get the 16 regional uh, winners and they meet and out of that comes the state champion. It doesn't take it's not a marathon like it is in the state of Indiana. So that's I uh, wanted to bring that up. You know, James uh, is, is a great guy. His, his teams has been really good. He's he's had some teams that he struggled with, but uh, just wanted to make sure that we mentioned that. And don't don't forget that one of one of my homies from Mile Street is the head coach and actually won the state championship. Absolutely. We, we got to give credit where credit is due. And uh, we would be definitely remiss if we didn't mention James and everything he's done uh, as the head coach up there at E-Town High. So it's, it's interesting. We're talking about high school. And I think uh, it's probably now the time to get into our subject for tonight. And that's transitions uh, that molded us, uh, you know, boys to men from boys to men in small town America. And I think one of the first first rite of passage that we had was going from junior high school to high school. Right, right. And, uh, <laughs> and, and what that entailed. <laughs> so um, as I as I mentioned, I think in the very first episode, there was only one elementary school on uh, in the bottom or on my side of the tracks, and everyone in the bottom, and pretty much. Everyone of school age that went to elementary school during that time who lived on the hill also went to Valley View Elementary School. Valley View Elementary took you up, I think, to the, and I I could be wrong, I think it took you up to the sixth grade. And then we, everybody that lived on our side of the tracks, went to T.K. Stone Junior High. And I think starting in that seventh and eighth grade realm, we went to T.K. Stone Junior High. And it was from there, once you finished that eighth grade year, and I finished eighth grade in 1971, I think it was 71, and 72 was my transition year from T.K. Stone to the big E-Town High School. And we were going to graduate the class of 1975. So um, one one thing that you're missing here, actually, Wayne, we were freshmen at T.K. Stone Junior High School. We were? Because, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
because <laughs> what we had, we had uh, K through 12. I mean, K through 12 was what E-Town High School used to be. Mm-hmm. And so when they built the new high school, the new high school where it's located right now, it was only 10 through 12. Okay. Yeah, so our, uh, so our, first our freshman year was uh, 70, 70, no, 71, 72. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we were we were still freshmen. That's when I was, you know, in that okay. first podcast we talked about Mr. Hilton. That was my freshman year in high school. So okay. because right now E Town is freshman through senior high. Right, right. At that time it was, you know, seven, eighth, ninth, and then ten, eleven, twelve at the at the uh, senior high school. Okay. Sorry okay. about that. Go ahead. No, no, I, I stand corrected and that that's a good thing. So Transitioning from junior high to high school in the 70s, a lot of uncertainty because you didn't know what to expect. There were a lot of things going on that you heard rumors about. (laughs) And one of the (laughs) things you heard rumors about was as a freshman entering into E-Town High back in the day uh, was high school initiation. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, you you know that well, uh, even though you were on uh, your side of town across the tracks, everybody knew as a freshman coming in, we'd heard about this high school initiation. And it was all the older guys uh, in the neighborhood. Some of the names that you probably remember, um, Chuck Radcliffe. Oh, my. <laughs> Tommy Well, Tommy James Montgomery. James Montgomery. I mean, all these were the older guys in the neighborhood. And Every, was, everybody from the senior high school was out to get the freshmen right. or the, to the, get the sophomores. Freshmen. Right. Out to get the freshmen. And uh, so the thing was, the first football game of the year, if, if you were caught after that first football game of the year, uh, if that was initiation time. And uh, we were talking about that uh, here a few months ago when you and your wife were out spending some time with us. It's like when that when that game ended, you took off because you did not, you did not want to get caught by those guys. And uh, that that's what I remember. I mean, I lived on the other side of town. It was a good distance to walk from the bottom over to TK Stone where the games were, where the football games were held at that time. So when that game ended, I mean, I literally ran all the way from TK Stone all the way back to the bottom Empire Street, afraid of being caught by the older guys in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, they, it was basically hazing. Yes, yeah. They, they hazed the hell out of us. Yeah. You yeah. know, and so uh, that summer between freshman year and sophomore year, I don't think I ever walked. Wow. I ran everywhere. <laughs> and if I did walk, I was like a deer in headlights because I was right. always looking around. You never had an easy moment. Right. You never had time to relax because you were always looking around. At any point in time, somebody could pop out from behind the house. Right. Someone can pop out behind the car or from the grocery store or the laundromat up by uh, Good and Handy or Bob's grocery store. So we were always on point because we didn't want to get hazed. Right, right. And I, mean, I spent many, many, probably every day growing up in the summertime at the, uh, at the, at the pool. Yeah. And that, that spring, I mean, that summer, 
I don't think I went to the pool at all because they would get you and they would take you out to the deep end yeah. and put you under the water and it almost drowned you. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and Chucky Radcliffe, he was, he was the one that would get you out there. Everybody was afraid of Chucky Radcliffe. Yeah. And, uh, I, I never swam, uh, that summer. I, I ran every place. Uh, if I had to go across town, it was always taking the main streets, never walking through alleys or anything like that because they would come from any place. Yeah. And I think I made it all the way through most of the summer, and James Montgomery caught me. <laughs> he caught me over um, off of Central by the little church that's on yeah, Central yeah, Street. Central, yeah, Central Avenue. Yeah. And man, I mean, I mean, he he jacked me up. <laughs> he kicked me, punched me. You know, and I wanted to fight. And I said, well, I'm not going to beat him. So <laughs> I had to take it. I had to take it. So that, that was that was initiation. And everybody kind of went through that. You know, everybody from Mile Street, everybody from the bottom of the hill. We ran every place. We were if we didn't run, we were on a slow jog and we were looking around. Right, so right, right. that was that was uh, a, not a traumatic time. But we look yeah. back at it now. It's funny. Yeah, but for the most part, it was like it was trauma. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. traumatized. It, it was, you know, it was, you know, you're wondering, like, man, do I go to the football game tonight or what? <laughs> you know, because that's where everybody gathered on Friday night. Right. And uh, when that when that game ended, man, psh, let's go. I mean, we grab whoever. Let's go, man. Let's go. <laughs> you know, and we would literally run all the way from uh, from Mile Street all the way back over to the bottom. I mean, that was that was funny. But as you say, looking back on it, it was like, you know, it was part of that that growing up process because now we were no longer looked as um, we were looked at as, uh, you know, little little boys or whatever. You know, we're, we're high schoolers now, you know. Right. Uh, made, we made we, that leap to the senior high school. We made that leap up to the big up to the big school that that had just been built. And uh, so it, it was a big thing. And uh, like you say, you can look back on it now and laugh. But uh, that was the first, I think, rite of passage that we had to endure was uh, to not get caught. I say you got caught. I, I never got caught. I, I ran. I never got caught. But uh, they, the 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 air of that was always out there hanging over your head. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, I think they tied. I think they tied uh, uh, Robin to a tree, stripped his clothes off, and tied him to a tree. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> oh, that was that was something else. <laughs> yeah, the things that went on back then. But first rite of passage, and uh, you know, we we're here, and we're we're said we're we're we are who we are because of those experiences, and uh, you know, on top of that, you know, that was. One thing that uh, that we went through, uh, I have a list of things here that, uh, you know, events, places that uh, that were, quote, rites of passage uh, for us, because some things you had to be a certain age to participate in. You right. just wander in. And um, what, one of the things that uh, I've got on my list here, and, I, and I'll see if it rings a bell for you, and uh, a landmark in E-Town. Um, been there, still there now, and that is the the State Theater. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. What what, uh, what, it, it, what are your reflections of the State Theater? Well, it was the only theater in town, and 
growing up, the state theater was on our side of the tracks. It was near, right near downtown. And we would leave the house and go down there for, for 35 cents. You got to see a double feature on Saturdays with cartoons in between. And they, sometimes they would have like, uh, Shows they would have like apple dunking contests or pie eating contests as part of that. The other thing is that when we first went down to the state theater, it was segregated. Absolutely, it was segregated, and uh, the black community had to sit in the balcony. Yep. And there was an there was you could go down to the lobby and get popcorn and juju fruit and and all that cokes and so on, but you had to take it back outside. Yep. Go to the outside door, which was on the right side of the state theater, yep. and then go up to the balcony. Yep. And so even when you paid for your ticket, they had a little door on the right that was like a half door. You know, yep. you could only the, the top part of the door would open and then you would pay your money and then you would go up to uh, the balcony. And there were times that we would distract people, you know, because they only saw the the top part of you. And so we'd carry on the conversation while everybody else would kind of sneak underneath the door <laughs> to get to the get to the top of the uh the theater. And then once we got up there, how uh, the restrooms was just it was pretty bad. Yeah, well, I remember that. <laughs> the restrooms smelt like pee. Yeah. Well, you know? Yeah. And um the projector room was in the balcony. So, you know, we would look down at the lower level, basically where the white folks uh, could st stay or sit. And then every now and then we would take a piece of paper or a Dixie cup or something like that and throw it across the top of the balcony. And you would see that projected across the screen. You, know, you see that paper going across, flying across the screen. And so... Every now and then, I'm not going to say that I did this, but every now and then we would, some people would purposely drop popcorn on people that sat directly below the balcony, or they would accidentally, you know, cough up a lung and spit on people down below. I'm not saying that I did that, but it happened. Yeah. It happened. Yeah. And so we would go there and that's kind of where we hung out. And we would go there. It would be light. And by the time that we'd come out there, sometimes it would be totally dark because we spent the whole day in there. Yeah. Yeah. How about how about you? What were, what, yeah, what were you I, I remember. Yeah, I remember not going to the theater. It was gosh, I was probably before before my parents allowed us to go by ourselves to actually walk uh, from our house over in the bottom down to the theater. It wasn't that far walk. Like you said, it was on it was on your side of the tracks, but it was closer to downtown. Right. And closer I, to you. Yes, it was closer to us, but you had to go across the tracks. And uh, I remember not being able to go there by myself. I guess I was probably, I don't know, I might have been 12, maybe 12 or 13, mm -hmm. you, where you, you go with a bunch of your friends. And like you said, 35 cent, 40 cent, whatever, 
Uh, I remember watching the cartoons and you, you'd stay down there all day because you did that. everybody was there. Everybody was at the theater on Saturday and we'd watch movies. You'd, you'd clown with your friends and everything. And I do remember, you know, that door on the right side of, of the theater. You went in and that's you climbed up those stairs and it was dark going up those stairs. <laughs> For that, it was dark going up those Sticky. stairs. Yeah, sticky, and uh, and that's and that's where we sat as as black folks. And uh, the I I think the my earliest recollection of actually sitting downstairs, I I think it was probably around our uh, maybe junior high time. Yeah, uh, when yeah. when we actually were allowed to sit down in the balcony. I mean, down in the auditorium of right. the state theater. I, I think it was you know that late sixties, maybe early seventies. Yeah, early seventies. Yeah, when when we you could go in the main door, buy your ticket, and then go in and sit in the main auditorium, and so uh, good hangout place. Saw a lot of great movies there, but yeah, segregation what was was prevalent, and uh, you know that's that's how it was. You know that, but it was it was our gathering place, right. and like you say it was the only theater in town. So everybody from your side of the tracks, the bottom, the hill, everybody came. To the state theater so it was a gathering place for the black community and we all sat in the same location and, and enjoyed the film and, and our friends uh and that that was another rite of passage of of, of our lives yeah we would we would see our friends that we uh, our white friends that we went to school with Absolutely. we'd hang we'd hang out in the lobby together but when the movie started they went straight ahead we went yeah. back outside and up to the to yep. the balcony he had to part ways and, <laughs> yep uh, and that that's just how it was and uh but still um uh, we're we're here again it, it was one of those experiences that molded us shaped us and uh we can look back on it now fondly and and reminisce about it but uh it was it was one of those rites of passage of going to the movie theater and uh and joining a movie with with your friends so yeah yeah so um got another one here See if this jogs your memory. Does the name Keys Park ring a bell for you? Keys Park? Keys Park. Oh no, that one doesn't Keys that Park. that one's got me. Got you. Okay. Keys yeah. Park. So back in the day, you know, you'd go to Sunday school, you go to church, and then occasionally there might be an afternoon service. So you 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 were at church pretty much all day if there was an afternoon service. But yeah. on those occasions when there wasn't an afternoon service, when once the eleven o'clock service ended around one, we'd go home. You change into your play clothes, as we call them. You change into your play clothes. You go shoot hoops. Or but once you got old enough, you could go to Keys Park in Fort Knox and listen to Doctor Feelgood in the park. <laughs> You can yeah, go. Now, to, okay, I got you now. You can go yeah. to Doctor Feelgood on Sunday. <laughs> Doctor Feelgood was this DJ. Yep. Uh, he he was he was the man at the time back when we were growing up. Doctor Feelgood. He spun records everywhere. But one of the things he did on Sunday afternoon, he had a uh, he spun in in Keys Park right there in Fort Knox, and it would be packed with uh, with you know all the kids. Fort Knox, E-Town, Radcliffe, whatever, would be in the park listening to Dr. Feelgood and hanging out, man. It was fantastic. <laughs> Dr. Feelgood. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those things. Like, once you got to like, man. And, 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 and a segue to that was, okay, now you're going to Fort Knox to do Keys Park. Another rite of passage was 
going to the NCO club at four. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Get ready to fight somebody. Go to, yeah, Get ready go to fight to, some soldiers. Yeah, go to the NCO club and, and party at the NCO club. And Dr. Feelgood would be there. Uh, I think even – I think back in the day, Roger Troutman uh, of Zap Rap. played at the yep. NCO Club at Fort Knox. I mean, that's they used to get top-notch entertainment up in there. And Roger Troutman and Zap played there. I mean, they they were from up in the uh, uh, the Dayton area, so right. Uh, right. they they would they would jam there at the Fort Knox NCO Club. But but Doctor Feelgood Keys Park NCO Club. That was one of those rites of passage that uh, once you got old enough, you could like, hey, let's go to the NCO Club. <laughs> yep. Sure enough. So what are some events that you remember as as rites of passage? Uh, oh, I've got a long list here, but I'll, I'll let you throw out a few. OK, I tell you what uh, comes to mind right now is that we used to go to a lot of what we call parties. They were house parties. OK, yeah. Yep. And these house parties were all over Mile Street area. You know, sometimes we would go up to Indian Hills. Some of our classmates would have parties. In Indian Hills, we'd go from the Indian Hills to the Highland, uh, which was west of Indian Hills. We'd go from there to Helmwood Heights. And, you know, people like the Ships and Barbie Hanson and, um, you know, they w- we would just have parties. They were house parties. You know, it's kind of like that Luther Vandross records, you know, <laughs> having a party. You know, you roll back the tables and chairs. Yeah. And a lot of people had basements. We didn't have a basement, but they had basements. And we would go and have these parties, and we would listen to, you know, regular Motown stuff. But we'd also listen to what our friends, our white friends, listened to. So, you know, we were into Ozzy Osbourne. We'd listen to them. We'd listen we listen to Eagles. We'd listen to Steely Dan. We'd listen to just basic music that was that we grew up with you know right. so and i think we're going to touch on that topic a little bit later yes but yes, the, the other thing is that we walked every place you know we would walk from uh the bottom we'd go over and pick up mark and we'd walk over to my house pick him up we would stop by and pick up curtis wright on the way and then Bushead or jerry covington would come with us and then norman cleaver would would go with us and we would all walk to these places and you know just have a house party right you know the parents were there but we just had a good time hanging out you know dancing you know and um that was that was part of it you know and so we would go from place to place and i will i will say this you probably i don't know if i told you this story or not but one time we were over at barbie hansen's house and it was getting late it was probably about 1130, maybe midnight. And myself and Norman and Mark and Jerry uh, and Johnny Compton, I remember that she had this, I think it was a green Rambler station wagon. Mrs. Hansen did. And it was getting late. And she said, well, I'll drive you guys home. And so since we were closer to um, to drop off, she started to, to drop us off. Well, we got to, to the last person or so, and then it got to Jerry Covington. And Jerry Covington said, well, she asked Jerry, he goes, well, Jerry, where do you live at? He says, I live in the bottom. <laughs> and she says, the bottom? She, she was kind of 
perplexed, like the bottom. She said, yeah, you know, Jerry said, yeah, you know, across the tracks. Oh, she said, oh, you live in Skillet Town. Yeah, yeah. And I went, Skillet Town? Yeah. I said, I've never heard that before. And then, you know, the bells go off like, oh, you live over where the black folks live. Yeah. So Skillet Town, and I had never heard that before until Jerry said, I live in the bottom. And she goes, oh, you live in Skillet Town. So the 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 white neighborhood of Mile Street, they call across the track Skillet Town because the majority of the black folks lived across the tracks, uh, you know, the hill, the bottom, and so on. Right, right, right. So that was an interesting little side note there. And I went, you know, Mrs. Hansen was, she was a beautiful woman. She would take care of us, take us every place we would want to go and so on. Didn't have a racist bone in her body, but that's just what they call the bottom and the hill. They just called it Skillet Town. Right. Yeah. Yeah. See, I remember a lot of house parties. I I remember a house party. One of the one of the better house parties I went to. We had a house party in. Do uh, you remember uh, Heldon Parish? Oh yeah. Helen Parish had a basement. Their house had a basement, and there was a house party uh, uh, down in that basement, man. And everybody was there. You were probably there yourself. Oh, I was there. <laughs> I, I didn't mean, miss too many parties. There, there was, I mean, and she had quite a few parties back in the yes. day. But everybody yes. there, but always a good crowd, good music, and everything. And uh, again, just going from place to place, and and uh, not just at at the house parties locations that we had parties in once we became of age i think it wasn't until maybe maybe the junior high era uh before i was allowed to go to the hilltop Mm -hmm. and the hilltop uh under the under the lemon cooler days mr lemon cooler (laughs) uh, mr lemon cooler was the (laughs) was the director of the hilltop back in the day uh when they had dances up there and whatnot that that's when i started to go to dances at the hill right Right. And, they had them during the daytime. Yeah, they had stuff going on in the daytime. Yeah. And and so got to go to the hilltop, the dances. And uh, again, we, we were coming of that age where now we, we could branch out a little bit and, and, and leave the confines of the neighborhood because the hilltop was on the hill. So we had to walk from the bottom up to the hill. And we group of us would just, hey, what time does the party start? And we, you know, like you say, go by each other's house, pick people up. And walk up to the hill to the party. So, so another rite of passage was, uh, you know, going to parties, interacting with friends outside of school. Like you said, not just black. We hung out with our white friends too, and uh, and and there was nothing really going on. I mean, it was it was all good. You know, like you say, most most people just they didn't have a racist bone in their body. Uh, we we were all friends. We were sort of all in the same boat. Um, you know, and we just got together and had a good time with each other. Now, I will say this. There were some racist things that did come out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Occasionally. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Occasionally it, it yeah. came out. And usually when it came out, there was usually fists that followed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I hearken back to an issue. And you and I talked about this when uh, when you were out here a couple of months ago. I think it was you, me, and I think Randy Hampton. We were walking down the street over on Mile Street, and uh, we were going either – I don't know where we were going. We might have been going to the gym to play ball or something. I don't remember. But a car came past us, and someone in the car said, niggers, <laughs> and kept going. So – we kept walking, you know, we're like, oh, man, you know, you know we're, we're mad about everything. We get to, I think we stopped at Good and Handy, 
<laughs> they stopped at Good and Handy, and the that people, was that was a local grocery store. The local grocery store was Good and Handy, and uh, the the people who uttered the uh, said niggers out the car, they were at the store. <laughs> they happened <laughs> to be at the store, and so Randy confronted them and said, "Hey, uh, that was you, right? You just rode by and called us niggers, right?" And the guy said, "Oh man, I'm sorry. I didn't know that was you." <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like know that was you. It made a difference, you know, like it made a difference. Yeah. That that I remember clear as day. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there, there were some racial things that happened, you know, yeah. at these gatherings or whatnot. But for the most part, I, what I remember, you know, it was like you say, you listened to whatever music was going on and uh, you just had a good time. Yep. If, if you could dance to it, we listened to it. You could dance to it. You listened to it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and and again, that's a that's another topic that we're going to hit on down the road. But uh, another rite of passage, going to parties and and like you say, house parties, parties in you know the hilltop and and the NCO club and that type of thing. Once we became of a certain age, then that right was afforded us. So, anything, uh, any any other event or place rings your bell? Because I got a list here. Well, how about? <laughs> That's talking about going down to the skating ring. Yes, that's on my list. <laughs> the skating the ring. Skating right, ring right was there on 62. Man, <laughs> the skating ring was, oh my gosh, that place was the joint, man. <laughs> that was a joint. I remember one night, uh, Billy Graham had a crusade at TK Stone yep. <laughs> at the football field. Yep, I remember that. Had a crusade, right? So everybody, whatever reason, man, not that we were like, you know, let's let's go, you know, here. We just went, you know, it was a thing. So we all went to the Billy Graham crusade. So after the crusade, everybody was going to the skating ring. Why? Because uh, at the time, there's a huge radio station, local WLOU. 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 And one of the big DJs at WLOU was a guy named Daddy D. Mm-hmm. And Daddy D was going to be live at the skating ring that night. So everybody went down to the skating ring, man, to listen to Daddy D, man, play. You know, he, he was there live, you know, spinning records at the skating ring. And we just had a great time, man. You go down there. We play roller derby, you know, folks skating backwards and falling on their butt. You know, that would be me. Speed, <laughs> people racing and carrying on. And I mean. That place was a central meeting place, man, for everybody in the neighborhood, man. Right, right. And WLOU was just an AM radio station that we could pick up. And it was only on from like seven in the morning till about seven at night. And then the the clarity of the station was terrible. You can hardly pick it up sometimes, but when you when you if you had a good radio, you could pick right. it up and you could jam with WLOU. Oh man, they jammed and 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 at the time he was huge, man. Daddy D was Daddy huge, D. man. Daddy D was huge, and uh, to say, man, Daddy D's gonna be at the skating ring, we're like, oh my gosh, man, that is amazing, and everybody was there that night. I mean, the skating ring was packed, and then like the theater on Saturdays. Go to the skate rink, man. You, we, they had a morning session. You'd skate in the morning. You come back and do the night session. Do the night session, right? The night session, and it was all good, man, because your parents didn't wonder where you were. It was right. all good, man. And and again, once once you were old enough to like, hey, 
We can walk. And again, all these places we're talking about were in walking distance. Yeah, walking distance. Walking you know, from, distance. from my house to your house was, I kind of looked it up on Google, uh, Google Maps the other day, is like a mile and a half. Yeah, yeah. And then from my house to the hill was like two miles. Yeah. And, you and know, we, so. Yeah. And we walked that time and time again, man. Yeah. And, and didn't think anything about it because a lot, right. a lot of folks didn't have cars. And the people that did have cars, you're like, hey, you know, you can only get so many people in a car. So uh, most of the time, I remember walking, you know, to the hill, to your side of town, uh, up, up, you know, down to the skating rink, up to the theater. I mean, it was okay. Let's just walk over there. It was all right. Good. It was all good. Yep. So how about how about uh, this is a rite of passage? I remember the the time that I got my driver's license, that's a rite of passage for everyone. But for the most part, I didn't really want to drive until like maybe my senior year. And I started driving because really I had to take my, my mom to work. She worked at Fort Knox. Right. And I would have to get up. A lot of people don't realize this. I would have to get up at three 30 in the morning, take my mom to school and, and then come back and then go to go to school at E-Town High School. So, you know, my my dad, you know, he worked at the hospital as a custodian. He drove trucks, you know, and so on. And this is after 20 years of being in the military. And so that was that was my job. I had to do that. Right. So one time, I don't know if you remember this, but 1973, I want to say like October is when we had the big energy crisis. Yeah. And um, my dad had that green park lane, McMurkry, power everything. And so I was going to, because gas prices went from like 35 cents to 70 cents almost overnight. And I said, I am not going to pay 70 cents for a gallon of gas. So I drove all the way out to the Sunoco, you know, the Sunoco on Dixie Highway, oh, yeah. out by, by the motel when you're yeah. in it. Yeah, I'm out there, yeah. And so I drove out there and it was 70 cents. I went, oh my goodness, this is 74 cents here. So on my way back to my house, I was going by the convenience store right there on, on Dixie. Well, I came around the courthouse and got to about where writers, um, clothing store was and the car ran out of gas and it stopped right at the intersection of 31 and Mulberry Street. I mean, it stuck, stopped right in the middle of the intersection. Now the car was like 90 feet long and 75 feet wide and I ran out of gas. So there was a guy behind me in a truck and he just pushed his truck up up to the bumper and pushed me to the convenience store. It wow. didn't it didn't scratch the car, didn't scratch his <laughs> truck. You know, the bumpers were metal. Wow. So he pushed me to the convenience store and I put a couple of dollars worth of gas in it and took the car home. Wow. And so that was that was a rite of passage. And from that point on it's like, okay, now I know what I have to do. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I was uh, I I experimented with driving back back when we back in the day when we were growing up, and I have to tell you a driving story. And it was it was you're you're gonna laugh your head off, and only a few people know about this. But me and my mom were out one day, and we were coming back into the bottom. And you remember the bottom? There used to be a cleaners 
right there yep. at the end of the bottom. So when we got ready to turn in the bottom, uh, I said, hey, you know, pull over. Let me drive the rest of the way home, you know, because I was trying to learn how to drive. I said, let me drive the way, rest of the way home. She's like, okay. So she scooted over. I get in. And we had a uh, – I forgot what kind of car we had at the time. But anyway, I'm going through the bottom, and I'm thinking like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm cool, man. You know, I'm cruising through the bottom. I get to the corner to where uh, my aunt lived, my aunt Florine, and mm-hmm. where Jerry lived. And as I got ready to turn the corner, I think, man, I'm, I'm doing it, man. You know, I turned the corner and instead of hitting the brake, I hit the gas <laughs> and I ran into my aunt's car and tore it up. <laughs> oh, man. I bet you Junior didn't like that. Oh, gosh. He was like, I mean, the noise, <laughs> man, was amazing. It was incredible. And there I am looking like an idiot, man, because, you know, I've now wrecked my my aunt and uncle's car. You know, thinking like I'm cool, I'm driving. So that that was the end of my driving. <laughs> that was the end of my rite of passage, uh, le- learning how to drive. And uh, to this day, my mom and I will laugh about that story right now. <laughs> Pretty much totaled that car. I mean, totaled their car. Didn't do much damage to ours, but it tore theirs up pretty good. Oh wow! Yeah, that that and that, that was the end. that that was no rite of passage for me. Uh, learning. <laughs> None for me. Yeah. So uh, we're we're getting close to the top of the hour at the 45 mark of the hour. And, uh, you know, a couple other things I want to throw out as far as rites of passage, uh, things that we did or events that shaped us. One of the things that uh, I remember as a kid, and you may remember this as well, was the optimist camp. Oh, yeah. Yep. Going to the optimist camp. And uh, this was a thing we did at the end of the summer. And you would go and, and sign up for which week you want to go to. Make sure all your friends signed up for the same week so you could go with your friends. But basically, it was this this complex, and I think it was out 62, if my memory serves me correct. Right. Going out 62, and it was a, a complex out there that the Optimist Club uh, sponsored. And basically, it was an opportunity, what I guess we were considered um, underprivileged kids. I don't know, man. I don't yeah. know. That's why it's called optimists. They were optimistic that we could get better. Optimistic, right? So, uh, <laughs> so they would they would load us up. We'd meet at the. I remember we would meet at Valley View School, and they would load us up um, and take us to the Optimist Camp. And we it was a week long thing, man. But the experiences were awesome, man. We we uh, we played sports that we had never heard of. We we played a shuffleboard, uh, croquet. We pitched horseshoes. And it was just, I mean, it was white and black, you know, that that went to the optimist camp. But it was a week. And when your week was over, you were like, man, I want to go another week, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But you only got a week. But it was it was something that we all look forward to in the summer once you were once you were old enough to go because you had to be a certain age to sign up to go. But um, I remember I love those times, man, going to that optimist camp. And then yeah. we get back our week and it's like, okay, man, you're going next week. And then, you know, you want to know what your friends do when they were out there and everything. Right. We uh, didn't, I didn't go to the Optimus club, but maybe once. Okay. You know, because I was never an outdoors kid. Okay. If it, if I wasn't playing football or baseball or basketball, yeah. get me out in the woods, man, I, that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. It, it, you know, yeah, Although that one time we remember we were all in the Boy Scouts, we marched yeah, to Sonora. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. We marched I remember all the way to Sonora. 
We and, uh, parked to Sonora, man. To Sonora. And yeah. then uh, we got down there and had a campfire, cooked marshmallows. And yeah. I think a deer or something came through the came through the camp and scared the hell out of us. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then if we ever got in trouble, that was part of it. They'd send you to the belt line. Remember the belt yeah, line? To the belt line, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> send you to the belt line. And I remember on that trip, man, somebody almost cut their hand off with their hatchet. They were <laughs> doing something. We were cutting wood, and somebody almost cut their hand off with their hatchet, man. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember that, but I, I remember that we marched like- Sonora. Yeah, we we literally walked from E Town to Sonora, man. That was like wow, you know? But that that was again uh, those those things, man. Were I mean, we're here laughing about it now, but at the time, it was the, one of the coolest things to do, man. Hey, we got a Boy Scout troop. I remember it was Troop Three Hundred Three. Three Hundred Three, the Panthers. Troop Three Hundred Three, man. And uh, I mean, that was big time, man. That the church had a Boy Scout troop. Right. And uh, that was awesome, man. And uh, that was another great time that, uh, again, molded us, shaped us. Another one of those rites of passage. Uh, One more to throw out at you. Beach Bend Park. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) Go to Bowling Green. Go to Bowling Green and hang out and do the rides. And just uh, it was it was the Central Kentucky's Kings Island at the time. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember the, the the Sunday school. That was their trip majority of the time, like the Sunday school trip. You know, that was your trip at the end of the summer. Let's go to Beach Bend. <laughs> and, you know, you go down there and spend pretty much all day Saturday and come back. And you know, like you say, it was it was our Kings Island on that end of, of Kentucky, you know. Yeah. And a yeah. lot of great, great times at Beach Bend. Um, what else do I have on my list that might jog your memory as something that we did once we got old? I got one here and then, uh, we probably ought to look at wrapping up, but, uh, the bell of Louisville. Oh yeah. <laughs> the bell. <laughs> that was usually junior, senior year. Yes. Uh, we always did that as a high school trip. I think it was. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, we would all get dressed up and find a date and then, uh, go on the bell you know, it would go out and cruise out a little bit and then come back around. But that was that was uh, that was big time party back then. That was you know? man, that was big time, man. Yeah. And I, I remember pretty much every year, you know, you did the bells coming up. And I think I think only one time I took a date. I think the rest of the time I went by myself. Me and too. Me too. I went by myself. But the band that was always on the Bell of Louisville. It was Frank Lands. <laughs> yep. Frank Lands had a band. I can't remember their name, <laughs> but they were akin to like Rare Earth. They were sort of like Rare Earth right. uh, in our era, but they played a lot of funk, R&B type stuff. But I can't remember the name of the band, but it was Frank Lands had this band, man. And and they, they jammed for that time back in the day, but they were always the band on the bell. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's and that's getting to Louisville. You know, you have to get up to Louisville. Right, you got to get up to Louisville and you know, and then get on the bell and have a good time. It's only probably an hour, hour and a half trip to down to where the turnaround was, and then yeah. come back. Yeah, it seemed it seemed like it was a long time. You know, yeah. thinking back now, it's like man, we're down there for out there for a long time. But in reality, no, it was it wasn't that far wasn't that far and it didn't take that long it's just at the time it just seemed like right right it was such a long time because you know we were out on the water we were out on the ohio river 
Right, you know, right. So. You're you're partying, the music's thumping, and you're just having a good time, man. You don't really care. <laughs> you know, you don't really care. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Right. Those were the days, man. Those were the days. What a rite of passage. What a rite of what, passage. What a right. I mean, uh, we, we have, uh, yeah, we have covered a lot of things that, uh, you know, molded, shaped us, gave us different perspectives on, uh, you know, not just how we were living, but we got a glimpse into how other people lived uh, from a lot of these rights that we went through, events, places, that type of thing. And uh, again, I am a, a much better person because of those experiences. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, we were, we were all in a small community yes. and in that small community, everybody, we knew everybody because, you know, E-Town was only about 12,000 people at the time. And, you know, all the things that we did was connected to everybody. Correct. So whether we listened to soul music or whether we listened to rock and roll or whether we listened to blues or jazz, you know, all these things were played and we just kind of hung out as friends. You know, we would get together. I mean, I tell you one, one other quick story. I thought about this today when I was running is that when McDonald's came to E-Town right there on Dixie, uh, I tried to get a job at McDonald's. Now, who does McDonald's reject? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I got rejected. You got rejected. <laughs> you know, well, they weren't. Remember, I think Anthony um, Anthony Whalen was the first black person to work at McDonald's. And so, uh, when I went to apply for a job, uh, you remember Dane Bell. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dane and I went there at the same time because we had heard that they weren't hiring any 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 black uh, employees. And so I went in first. We had this plan. OK, I'm going to go in first and see if I can get a job. And then Dane would come back in uh, a little bit later and see if he would get a job. Well, we got together and he lived, you know, near me. You know, over behind Houchins, I think it was. And so I went over to Dane's house and we walked over to McDonald's. I went in first, tried to apply for a job. And the the guy said, no. Ten minutes later, Dane goes in, applies for a job and says, you're hired. (laughs) And Dane said, man, that ain't right. So he goes, I'm not taking this job because you didn't hire my friend right before me ten minutes ago. So that was one of those things that I'm going to get my first job, that yeah. rite of passage, yeah. that never happened for me. So, Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, since you're talking first jobs, and I, you know, my, my first job, I think the first job I had, I ended up getting fired from. <laughs> <laughs> and I was bagging, I was bagging groceries at uh, Kroger's. And uh, my, my focus, man, I, I was more uh, concerned about playing ball and stuff and then working. So, uh, one day I came in and, you know, my attitude wasn't the best, right? So I came in and at the time the manager of the store was Ed Barlow. I think you, you remember oh, yeah. Ed Barlow, right? He yes. was the manager of the store. And so I show up for my shift to, to bag and I only was working like four hours or something like that. It wasn't huge, but he comes in and he said, yeah, I just want to let you know your services are no longer needed. I mean, that's pretty much how he <laughs> Her services are no longer needed. He was uh, nice, I, nasty, wasn't he? Yeah, it was nice, nasty, you know. But uh, <laughs> first job got got my first job and uh, and got fired. So that that's so much for that rite of passage. <laughs> right, right. 
All right. So we've been we've been on this for a while. We could go on and on and on and on. But I think the time is is run run its course. And uh, we're going to wind this one up. I would like to say one more thing. You know, yesterday was Martin Luther King's birthday. Absolutely. And he would have turned 90 years old uh, yesterday. So I'd like to say that, um, you know, without him, we probably wouldn't be where we are right now. And all the people, uh, our older brothers and parents, all the sacrifices that they went through, you know, uh, he, he gave his life so that we could succeed and that we could be uh, the positive influences that we are for our community and, and the country. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, true, true leader in every sense of the word, uh, paved the way for so many of us. Like I said, our parents, grandparents, you know, paved the way for us again, sacrifice, sacrifice so much and, and to be taken at a young age trying to do that. Um, I mean, amazing. And so, uh, we salute Dr. King and, uh, the holiday is Monday. Uh, holidays coming up Monday, and uh, but we salute his work and everything that he did to uh, uplift mankind. Not Absolutely, him, uh, uplift mankind. Well, all right then. That sounds like I I hear something coming down the track. So this will wrap wrap things up. All right, great episode tonight. And again, if you're if you're out there in uh, cyberspace. Check us out on iTunes. All the episodes of Across the Tracks are on iTunes. Check us out. Let us know what you think of the podcast. And if you from E-Town, uh, from the Hill, Mile Street, Bottom, whatever, if you got a topic you, you want us to, to chat about, drop us a line. Put a comment on there. And let us know how we're doing. We appreciate a- it. Absolutely. And we do have a Facebook page as well. It's called Across the Tracks. So check and us out. Check us out. All right, then. That wraps it. All right, we're out.